Hi, I'm your host, Kimberly Thomas-Tigg, and you're listening to Signalize, a Dazzle for Rare podcast. Whether you're a patient, advocate, caregiver, or a clinician, Signalize is your source for good news, personal stories, events, and the things that Rare and associated communities care about. Follow Signalize and Dazzle for Rare at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, R-A-R-E, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we'll post episode links, updates, and more. Today, we're going to take a very personal look at who I am, why I started Dazzle Frere in 2016, and how these things intersect with this podcast called Signalize. If this is something that you're interested in, and I hope that you will be, then please stay tuned. Welcome to Signalize. What is the challenge? For me, the challenge that I've found with rare disease in terms of awareness and advocacy is everything, to be honest. The challenge is everything. The challenge is engaging people in talking about something that they don't understand. The challenge is engaging people in conversations about something that scares them. The challenge is engaging people in the conversation to the extent that they would want to share that with their family and friends. So the challenges in raising awareness to me are oftentimes those things, because I think if you can get past some of those emotional barriers, then you can break through and help get into someone's head and and, and put your story in their head. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about Dazzle Ferrer, and that is what the challenge is for us. Um, I started Dazzle for Rare in 2016 when my mother and her twin passed away. And I went to Arizona where I uh, was staying with my dad and my stepmom. And I had my two and a half year old son. And I was volunteering for Hashimoto's Encephalopathy S-Reet Alliance, working on their book, redesigning their website and talking to patients pretty much on a daily basis and also running all their social media. And I really wanted to draw attention to two stories, that of a young man in uh, Utah who had been diagnosed with HE three months prior to being found deceased. And he was missing for two or three days. I got involved with the family trying to see if we could help signal boost finding him. Unfortunately, he was not found in time. And um, so I tried to help signal boost his life story, his message, his diagnosis, so that other families might be spared the same pain. At the same time, there was a young woman who was 21 named Duria, and she was held medically captive in a hospital in New York for three months uh, after having been diagnosed with a type of autoimmune encephalitis. And she had treatment scheduled. It was imminent. It was coming in the next few days, and she was in an accident. Her presentation was not what paramedics expected. She was held in psychiatric care, And it was a terrible time for her family, and it still remains a traumatic experience. And I was trying really hard to help um, get that message out there as well, that this is something that happens. And so during that time period, the only way I could think of to do that was to use social media, because if, if I post something on social media and I have 500 followers, and some of my 500 followers repost it to their 500 followers, and so on and so forth, we're making an exponential growth. We're reaching people exponentially. So that is what social media is meant to do, I think, in a, in a 
that's how it works currently in modern times. So if we take that same concept and apply it to rare disease and say, um, I'll take your Addison's disease awareness message and I'll share it with my, you know, 500 Facebook followers. And then hopefully one or two or five or 10 of them will share it as well. And we do that with our co-hosts, which are organizations, advocates, and sometimes companies who support rare disease and ask them to take these messages that have been shared with me and I coordinate and I share them with these organizations and then they signal boost them. Uh, So they share them with their communities. So let's say we have a community where there's 174 cases in the whole world and they don't have a lot of social media traction. They don't have a lot of followers. They don't have a lot of eyes on their, their organization. So we share their message with, say, 24 other co-hosts who have a variety of different audiences. And hopefully, the message of those 174 families affected will reach some of these other people's extended social networks. So I've tried many times to explain this to folks, and it's always been difficult for me to explain. But what we do, what Dazzle Ferrer does, why I started it in 2016 was to highlight these important stories, these critical messages, signal boost rare voices, and not just rare voices, but also the conditions that are part of our lives as people with rare conditions. Um, So oftentimes, like I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, oftentimes gastroparesis is comorbidity. So we are aligned in some ways. Uh, Gastroparesis is not rare, but it is often rarely diagnosed in a timely manner. It's often not treated very well. So those are some reasons why we include other communities in our outreach, because I think that as human beings, we all have our own social networks and everybody benefits from sharing these messages. So it may be dazzle for rare, but it doesn't mean that we can't include others. So that's the challenge. The challenge has been and continues to be, how do we elevate rare voices? And Dazzle Ferrer is one way that I choose to do that and choose to engage in that work. And now with the Signalize podcast, we are elevating rare voices literally. We are giving other people in our communities and other people who are our allies and associated with us the opportunity to, to share their stories, to talk about why they do what they do, how they got here, and to put a human voice on something that is oftentimes relegated to studies and statistics and cold and unfeeling facts. Uh, But we are so much more than that. And there's so much beauty and so much wisdom and inspiration and happiness and joy and humor that exists in our lives as people in rare condition communities and the family and the friends that are also involved. There's so much to share. That's been the challenge, and that is also the goal, is to elevate rare voices. So how did Signalize start? In the challenge, I mentioned why Dazzle for Rare started, and that was to say that it's hard to reach people, but when we work together we can include our social media networks and exponentially reach more and more people. That is why we came together. And for Signalize, the story remains the same in that we're here to talk to a variety of people. We're here to talk to other patients who may have the same condition. We're here to talk to other patients who may have a very different condition, but can resonate very strongly with the experience 
and the wisdom and the lives of other folks. And we're here to talk to clinicians and to professionals and other stakeholders in healthcare because these are often voices that you don't have time to hear in a 15-minute consultation, you know, in a short consultant or specialist appointment where you've been waiting six, eight months, 12 months for this appointment, and you have 10 or 15 minutes, maybe 20 or 30, if you're very lucky, to try to get as much out there as possible. It isn't just about symptoms. It isn't just about test results. It is also about the lived experience of the patient, and it is about how these things impact on our daily lives. Sometimes it's sad. Sometimes it's funny. (laughs) Sometimes it's joyous, and it is full of uh, hope and humor as well. Every day in everything that we do, we live a diverse experience, and it's important to share that diverse experience. It's important to me It is probably what I feel like I have been put on this planet to do. If there is a rhyme or reason, and if there's not, either way, I think it's a good reason for me to be here. It's a good reason for me to be talking to you today is to explain who we are, how we came here, how we came together. Uh, We came together under the common goal of elevating rare voices, and that's what we're here to do. What was the action? If I think about, and I do think about all the time, what led to creating Dazzle Ferrer? What led to this podcast? And what is the action? The action is Dazzle Ferrer and the podcast. The action is being really active in going out and meeting new people. I don't like being out there in front a lot because it's a very exposed feeling and it's it's very naked and it's very vulnerable to be out in front and to do the talking and to do the drawing of attention. Like, look at me, I'm over here. Um, I'm trying to draw your attention to this condition. I'm trying to draw your attention to Hashimoto's encephalopathy. I'm trying to draw your attention to Wager syndrome. I'm trying to draw your attention to Addison's disease. I'm trying to draw your attention to some of the, the common things that we experience as people. I'm trying to draw your attention to our humanity and our shared experiences and our joy and our uplifting stories and good news when people create registries, when people create communities, when people create positive environments for people to not feel alone. I think a lot of people get very sucked into thinking that um, an undiagnosed condition is the worst thing that can happen to you. It sucks, but there are moments of laughter and joy. Getting a rare disease diagnosis can actually be, for some people, incredibly relieving and an incredibly good piece of news to actually be receiving because it finally validates years of, in some cases, medical gaslighting, you know, being told you're not really experiencing what you're experiencing. Sometimes a rare disease diagnosis is validating and it's uplifting and it gives you hope and it gives you a focus for maybe arranging physiotherapy, maybe arranging occupational therapy, maybe putting different things in your home that can help you live a better life. And, you know, one thing that I focus on for myself is, you know, contemplating ambulatory wheelchair use because I can walk, but my energy is so limited anymore. 
I've had family and friends say over the years, like, oh, God, I would commit suicide if I had to use a wheelchair. That just hurts. It stings so much because I know people who have no choice to. And it's like saying their lives aren't interesting or don't matter or don't have value. And I strongly disagree with that. Um, And I'll say it in that polite way rather than how I would prefer to say it. But the lives of folks in wheelchairs are as valuable as the lives of people not in wheelchairs. Um, And using a wheelchair isn't the end of your life. And for me, considering using a wheelchair in my daily life to get out and about outside of my home only means for me being able to do more. To me, that's a joyous thing. That To me, that's something to celebrate. And I really wish and I really hope, actually, that by having these conversations, people get a better understanding of all the different things that, that can be good that happen in our lives. It doesn't have to be sad to accept that you may need to, to have a shower seat. You may need to have accommodations in your kitchen. You may need to use a hearing aid. You may need to use a wheelchair. You may need to use a crutch. You may need other types of support and assistance. That's so amazing when you finally get the freedom to do something you haven't been able to do either ever or for anywhere from a few weeks to a few years. I cooked a dinner with my husband in the kitchen for the first time in two years this week because of a perch that was brought to my home so that I could sit in this special perch chair at the right height for our counter so I could help cook dinner. The tears that I felt were not sadness. They were tears of joy in that I could do something with my husband. So it isn't all sad stories. It isn't all feeling sorry for people. It is so much about our strength, our resilience, our intelligence, our wisdom of living these things that is part of the stories that I want to help you hear and I want to help tell, but also in my own story. What is now like? What is my current situation like? I talked about myself, my learning about Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome through Dazzle Ferrer in 2016, my experience trying to elevate people's voices and finding that we were going unheard. So where are we now? I think where we are now is Dazzle Ferrer has exceeded 25 co-hosts the last few years. We reached over nine, I think it was about 9.5 million Twitter impressions in one week. And if we look conservatively at that, that could be somewhere around 95,000 people around the world. Uh, More and more people are hearing about this signal boosting campaign that happens every second week of August, every year, more and more people are hearing about it, are understanding it, and are becoming part of this larger rare family. So now is a time of finding new ways to share people's stories, finding new ways to engage. Um, I often wish I had the energy to do like hardcore social media, getting myself out there because I do see advocates who do that, who are like really out in front and really like, you know, able to get sort of that face and name recognition because there's always those advocates that we look to and go, oh, you know who so-and-so is. There's some people where everybody knows them. I'm not one of those people, by the way. I know loads of people in rare disease communities and associations with lots of people in various parts, 
in terms of industry, in terms of patients, uh, in terms of organizations. I know loads of people, but I'm not one of those people who you can point to on Instagram and people go like, oh, I know who she is. She's an influencer. And I wish I was sometimes because I feel like I would have a bigger platform to share with. But I hope actually that part of what this podcast does, in addition to what Dazzle Ferrer does every year, is to help, again, signal boost those messages. And it's not about me. Like, I never want to be up in front. I never want to be the person who's like, holding up the neon sign, like, look at me. But I do want to be the person who says, hey, guys, over here, I want to draw your attention to this condition. I want to draw your attention to this really cool story. I want to draw your attention to this super good news for this community, because we all need a little bit of good news, don't we? Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Signalize, a Dazzle Ferrer podcast. To stay up to date on the podcast and Dazzle Ferrer, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, rare, R-A-R-E. And finally, if you liked this episode, share it with a friend and tag us on social media platforms.